to God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we magnify you this morning. For you are great and you're greatly to be praised. We thank you for resurrection life. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells on the inside of us. Teeming with life and more life. Healing life, delivering life. The life that makes us whole and reconciles things back together again. We're so grateful and we're so thankful for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that has redeemed us unto God, has delivered us from the power of darkness, has conveyed us into the kingdom of your dear Son. For the power of the blood, we glorify and we magnify you, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God. Present in this place, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. As you're in this place, you are desirous. You're hovering, brooding over every heart and every life to bring to pass that which God has designed for each and every one. So we trust you to do what only you can do. Take the word of God that is ministered. Make it life to each and every one. That every single one of us doesn't leave like we came, but we leave with something on our plate that we might be doers of your word and not hearers only. And in the doing of that, as we go throughout our life, we find the blessing in the doing of the word of God. We find that place of radical faith connecting with reality in every single day life. That there's transformation taking place in us and for us, transformation taking place that moves through us to minister to others around us, those who are groping in darkness, those who do not know you and your goodness, that we are that reflection. We are the one that when the light of the gospel comes, it refracts off of our life and begins to bring truth through us, a revelation of truth through the life that we now live by faith in the Son of God, to those around us who are looking for life, they're looking for purpose, they're looking for strength, that we as your body might receive what you're ministering to us, not just for us, but for those that we come in contact with. We thank you for the power and the anointing resting upon your church for this day and this hour and this generation. As we move with you, there's not just a task at hand, but there is anointing and power to fulfill that which you have called us to do. We thank you for wisdom and understanding today, that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We might know you more intimately, more personally, not just know about you, but know you, know your ways, know your thoughts through your word, and we thank you for that. Father, we pray right now, and we believe that as we are gathered together, you said where there was two or three gathered together, there you were in the midst of them. And we thank you. The power of God is present to heal. For every weakness, every infirmity, every sickness, every disease, you already paid the price. You laid over that whipping post. You were beaten and bore in your body what sickness and disease does to the human body so that we don't have to bear it. On the basis of that blood, we pray that as you move through this place, faith will stir in the hearts of individuals to reach out and receive with its fullness that anointing to bring healing to the joints and to the marrow, healing of the nerves and the muscles. Healing in the brain and the chemical imbalances. Healing of the bloodstream, the heart. Thank you, Lord. Healing in the respiratory system. A healing and a cure by the anointing of God. A restoration of things broken. We pray and we speak to Richard's body in that hospital room right now. The life of God in him begins to drive out 
sickness and disease, that his lungs begin to heal supernaturally and begin to take in air and expel, take in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide as they were meant to, to bring life and oxygen to his blood, to move through his bloodstream, supernaturally working in his body to raise him up 100% whole. We thank you for working in that C5 vertebrae in Noble, and you work through every aspect that was damaged in that accident to raise him up whole, not halfway, not part of the way, but continue to work until there is a wholeness and a fulfillment of that which you declare in your word. We lay hold of it. We believe that we receive it for each and every one. We pray for this loved one whose liver is not operating correctly. We pray that the anointing would saturate this cloth. As the anointing saturates this cloth, as in Acts chapter 19, I thank you, Lord, that when it's brought to their body, the anointing will go in, it will begin to move, and that liver will be responding as it ought to. It will be made 100% whole. We thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your faithfulness that never ceases. We glorify and magnify you. We look for reports coming in of healing, of restoration, of a cure in bodies, as only you can do. Thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak this morning. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who greets it, amen. amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's great to be with you. We're glad that you're here. Everybody's joining us by live stream. Welcome, Meeker Campus. We're glad that you're with us this morning. And once again, all of you are glad that you're here. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. God is interested in your victory. Amen. Sometimes we think it's a struggle. And, and, and you know, when you just talk about victory, it's like, why, why do we always have to win? Well, God created you to win. God created you to win. And I know some of you won't necessarily understand this. You know, we were out getting ready to play golf uh, yesterday, and you know, it is about having fun. I understand this. So anybody be too critical of me, but I told our team, I said, you know, we're just out here to have fun. They understand me. Just We just want to have fun today. And, uh, you know, Jim said, I knew there was a but coming in that statement. And uh, I said, but it's really no fun to lose. So let's just go out and win. Right? Praise the Lord. And God put that in us, not to just say we got to win at everything or at win at all costs, but God put something of victory on the inside of you. And that's why he declares we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever comes, God has created. Whenever the enemy comes against us, God didn't say the enemy's come, he's going to win a few, and he's going to lose a few. God doesn't look at it and go, you know, I, 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 I sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus laid over the whipping post by his stripes for you to be healed. He hung on the cross to break the power of sin over our life. He was buried. He raised from the dead, paying all the penalty. He's seated at the right hand of majesty on high right now, ever standing in the gap, ever, every single day, living to make intercession for us. But you win a few and you lose a few. No, that's not God's mindset. He said, I went through all of that so you could embrace that. And though there's trials, though the enemy comes to execute his victory over you, he cannot win. Well, we got to get a tenacious understanding. You cannot win. You've already been defeated. You've already purchased. Uh, uh, Jesus has already purchased your 
victory for you. So when the enemy comes, he's there to convince you, no, that didn't happen. I'm whooping you right now. Listen, if I wasn't winning, you wouldn't feel this way. If I wasn't winning, it wouldn't be this way. But we have to stop and say, listen, it doesn't matter how I feel. Let me remind you of what's already happened to you. We have the victory. Amen? And God says, I want that to be so uh, understood that when the enemy comes, that we concentrate on that victory. As Romans 16, 19 says, we begin to focus and concentrate on what is good, not on what is evil. And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ will crush Satan under your feet shortly. To understand the truth and the reality that the victory, God always planned for the victory to be ours and the battle to be his. Come on, sometimes that's difficult to reconcile when we're in the middle of something. But he says, listen, when we get into a situation, if you put faith in me and you allow the power of the Holy Spirit, that I will fight your battles. I will get in a place, if you allow me to, I'll get in a place where you don't even know what's happening. I'll get in a place, if you begin to praise me, that I'll go out ahead of you and I'll confound the enemy. And when you get there, there'll be the enemy will have defeated himself and there'll be spoils for you to partake of, but you got to get into a place where you're not trying to do it yourself. That we understand the victory is mine. The battle is his. So wait a minute. I feel like I'm right in the middle of the battle. Then maybe it's time to step back and say, listen, Lord, I know that you've already won this. I know that you've already won this. I know that I already, I already have redemption. I already have the forgiveness of sin. I already have the blood of Jesus. How do I apply that? You've already won the battle. You've already broken the power of sin. You've already crushed the authority of the enemy. So show me how to possess my victory. Amen. The Holy Spirit will show you that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I just want to remind you. I need to hurry up here. I need to remind you, next week, don't miss next week, uh, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday night, Monday night, we're going to celebrate 40 years of new creation church from faith to faith and glory to glory. That's what God has been doing. What God wants to continue to do with new creation church is take us from faith to faith and glory to glory. We've seen it from the beginning, what God has done. And if God has done it, he'll continue to do it until Jesus tarries. So we're going to look at what he has done. We're going to talk about what he's doing. And we're going to talk about what he uh, will continue to do as we go on, because God didn't have a plan 40 years ago to start New Creation Church and have it end somewhere, but for uh, continue to have it grow and to minister to people and declare the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ so that people will know that he's coming again for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming for a glorious church. Come on, if you see the time getting closer, how many of you see the time getting closer? Listen, it's not a time to draw back because he's not coming for a defeated, beat-down, worldly-looking church, but he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so we're going to celebrate that. Pastor Craig and Sharon are going to be with us, and uh, we're going to have a good time. Thank you for sending in uh, your videos. And if you haven't yet, don't put it off because then when you watch everybody else's video, you'll go, oh, I wish I would have made mine. Come on, I know how that works. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can. And then you'll see that person. You're like, oh, man, if they could have made one, I certainly could have done it. So don't put it off. It's real simple. Just put that camera out there. Give a shout out what God has done. And uh, we're going to have a great time together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. We've been talking about the church undeniable. We've looked at a a number of different things that really, as God looks at it, it might not be how we look at it, but as God looks at it, he's done undeniable things for us so that we could rise up and people would recognize we are undeniably his. Somebody say undeniably his. Come on, he made a way that we would be in him and him in us so that it would be undeniable that we are his. 
And he redeemed us in an undeniable way. He hung on the cross. He shed his blood so that our forgiveness of sin and the power of sin over us would be undeniable, right? It would be undeniable. He sent the Holy Spirit so we'd have undeniable help, undeniable strength in our life, that the Holy Spirit is the one strengthening us in our inner man. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, he said, listen, I can live any kind of life. I, I, I learned how to be abound, and I've learned to be abased. He said, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes we're trying to do it ourselves, and we get wore out and we get weary. But when we get to the point of saying, listen, if I try to do it, I'll get tired. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That the Holy Spirit is at work to strengthen me in my inner man over and over and over. But I want to take today, <coughs> excuse me, to really talk about something that's overlying it. It's really a reminder to us. It's not something new and outlandish revelation, but to remind us that what Jesus came for was to give us an undeniable life. Come on, when we wake up in the morning, we have a different kind of life and a different quality of life. It shouldn't look like everybody else. So John chapter 3, verse 16, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Everybody say everlasting life. Everlasting life. That Greek word there, everlasting, means perpetual. Perpetual. As we break into this, we'll understand something, that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish or cease in the life that God has for him, but as he receives Jesus Christ, he would begin to have a perpetual living with God. Perpetual. Not waiting till we die and have life after death, but when you receive Jesus, you receive life after the death of the old man that you just put down. Not physical death, but when you say, listen, that spiritual death, I put it aside and I receive life, then I begin to have this perpetual stream, this perpetual river of life flowing from me. A perpetual life. Turn over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, again, not scriptures you're not aware of. He said, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? The only reason the enemy even messes around the earth or messes around your life is to take something from you, to destroy something that you have, right? Or to kill off something that God is trying to bring to life in your life. He only comes. When he comes, he may say, listen, I've come to make you happy. I've come to, to, to get you riches. I've come. Come on, just follow me. He only comes, no matter what it looks like, he only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came. Jesus came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Have life and have life more abundantly. That word uh, abundantly means super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. He said, I've come, the devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. Come on, now not to be religious, I'm just going to ask you this question so you can start thinking about it. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, you actually feel like, I am living a superior quality of life? Nobody. So we got some work. I'm in the right place talking about the right thing. Come on, because here, here's what the enemy's done. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy because he's trying to destroy the real understanding of life on the inside of you. So when we talk about quality of life, 
We, we tend to start thinking about the American dream. We're talking about how, many, how much finances we have or how we're feeling today and all that stuff. But he says, listen, I've put on the inside of you a quality and a quantity of life that is perpetual. It's perpetually moving. If we let it, he, Jesus said it like this. He said, there should be rivers of living water flowing out of us. Rivers, a perpetual flow that when we made Jesus the Lord of our life, we tapped into a perpetual flowing of God's life on the inside of us and everything that goes with God's life on the inside of us. And why did he want that? He wants us, one, to enjoy that life with him. But when there's rivers of living water, there's things for others to drink of. There's things for others who don't know him, who are in a limited life, a limited quality, who all the quality of their life is based on something temporary that will end instead of perpetual that will continue on and on. See, there's people living for something that will decay and go away, and we're living for something that goes on and on and on. It's perpetual. And people are looking for the fulfillment of perpetual life on the inside of them. Even believers who, who aren't, were not to that understanding were like, man, I need something else to fulfill. And he said, I want to fully fill your life with all that I am and all that I have. Come on. As a believer, if we understood that, we'd like, we wouldn't be going, if I just had a little bit more stuff, I could be happy. If I just had that sports car, I could be happier. If I just had that new house, I could be happier. But that new house makes you happy at first. But then it's not so, you know, when you have to hire help to clean it or you got to clean it or maintain the yard, it doesn't make you as happy as you thought it would. Why? Because all that starts to end. It's temporary, but there's a perpetual life that God has planned for us. So the Apostle Paul said it like this, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I, I've been crucified with Christ, or I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. James Stewart wrote a book, His name, it was A Man in Christ, and he said the fact that Paul said the life that I now live denotes that he understood that he used to live a different life without Jesus Christ. But now that he's been born again, he lives a different kind of life and a different quality of life. See, he had an understanding of what, what Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly in the the Apostle Paul had a revelation of that. He said, listen, when I received Jesus Christ, I received a different kind of life and a different quality of life. James Stewart says in that book that that kind and that quality of life that Paul was talking about was the life that was of the quality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The quality of life that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we understand that Paul told us in Romans, the eighth chapter, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you and me. That same quality of resurrection life now lives on the inside of you and me to raise us up out of the deadness of sin. And he says, listen, you no longer are a debtor to your flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything. That's where the enemy works to kill, steal, and destroy is in that old nature. But you and I have been given a brand new life, a new kind of life, and a new quality of life. Turn over to Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. Starting in the first verse, it says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's answering a question that they had. He said, where sin abounds, grace does much more Abound. They said, well, that's cool. So should we sin so grace could abound? And Paul said, what? I can't wait to see his face in the replay. Well, where sin abounds, grace should much more abound. So should we go on sinning so we can see grace abound? And Paul's like, what? 
That's not what I was saying. He was saying sin was already abounding because of Adam's sin. It had taken over the world. But where sin was abounding throughout the earth, Jesus came and brought grace to break the power of that sin. And where sin was abounding all over the earth, Jesus came and died for every single person on the face of the earth. So where sin was affecting them, grace overtook sin to set them free. So he said, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so most of us could write a paragraph actually answering that question. Well, I got born again at such and such a time, and this happened to me, and that happened to me, and that temptation came, and that trouble came, and so that's how I continue to live in sin because there was a problem. He said, no, that's not how that works. And we don't really want to write a paragraph on that. We want to understand what the Apostle Paul said. And listen, those things are going to come. But because I've been raised to a newness of life, I live in a different place. Though I'm in this world and the trouble of this world, I'm not of it. This world and its system is not my life source and the source of the life that I now live. He said, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness. Everybody say newness. Newness of life. Newness of life. Let's just take an evaluation I don't want this to be a downer. I want it to be an upper, but let's just take an evaluation. If we look at from the day that we got born again, how much do we live the same as we used to, and how much do we live in newness or freshness of life? How many things are the same since we've embraced the things of God, and how many things are new? Because God intended for everything to become new and to become fresh. His mercies are new every morning, not because we're going to make a mistake every morning. Thank God when we make a mistake, his mercies are new every morning. But his mercies are new every morning so that we can experience another fresh part of God's mercies and his compassion that fail not, that we can experience afresh and anew God's faithfulness to take us through another day victorious. The root word of this uh, newness of life is this. When he says newness of life, it means to recently, it means recently made. Recently made, fresh, recent, unused, unworn. So listen, when you, when you experience resurrection life, you're like, ooh, I don't feel worn out. I feel unused. I don't feel like a hand-me-down anymore. I'm feeling refreshed and anew. It means of a new kind. It means unprecedented. We've heard that a lot in the last couple of years. This is all unprecedented. Well, let me just tell you, your life and my life in Christ is Unprecedented. What God did in Christ Jesus, that moment that he raised him from the dead was unprecedented throughout creation. What he did for you and I when when Jesus hung on the cross and he raised from the dead, he did it all for us, and it was unprecedented. Never happened again. And what happens in you when you receive that is unprecedented. Unprecedented. You're released from your past. You're released from the slavery of sin, and something brand new begins to start on the inside of you. It's that perpetual, superior, in quality, abundant, in quantity life 
When you said, Jesus, come into your, my heart, he broke the power of sin and death that it was leading to, and he moved on the inside, and he said, I'm going to start something, and I plan on finishing what I started. The work that I started in you, it may take a lifetime, but I'm going to finish it if you just let me. It may not look like it today, but I'm working something today for tomorrow that is of life. So don't get discouraged today. As Alan was saying, God's saying, come on now. Don't get discouraged today just because, like, there's an enemy out there. I've made some promises to you that I plan on keeping. So whether it looks like it to your eye or not today, understand the one you're believing in, and I know the beginning from the end, and I know what's going to happen in the middle, and I know what's going to happen in the middle is going to be hard for you, but that's why I sent you a helper, and that's why the reservoir of life is in you, so that when this stuff comes to squeeze it out, to cause you to doubt, to cause you to, 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 to relate outwardly, he says, look inwardly, and there is a power source, a life source that will take you through, and you will not die, you will live your dream will not die it will live he will take you in because it's perpetually springing with life come on it's not a time for us to listen to the world and get discouraged and get downhearted and drag our, our our chin to the ground it's time to look up our redemption is nearer than it's ever been before it's a time to look up and say listen if this is going on in the world i'm going to look above the world and see what god is doing and the, what he's doing he's not just doing up in heaven he's doing in us the church and he's ready to break out from us with rivers of life unprecedented, novel, uncommon. Come on. God doesn't want you to just be common, ordinary, normal. If I could just get back to normal, God says, no, I don't want you to be normal. I don't want you to be common, ordinary, my life in you is uncommon. Get ready to be uncommon. Unheard of. Unheard of. You start talking about the hope that's in you, people go like, what are you, crazy? I've never heard of that before. It's like, then I'm on the right track. See, the world will try to do that, but we understand something. That the hope of this eternal life that we start to talk about, this expectation of living this uncommon, different life, shouldn't make you ashamed even if people doubt it. He said, why is that? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. God's leading us by his relationship with us to say uncommon things are going to happen Start declaring them and don't be ashamed of them. When you go through difficult times, let that just develop the character of God on the inside of you. And let that character that's developing create a hope, an expectation of uncommon life. See, the character of God that's being developed through difficulty right now, if you, we allow the character of God, then all of a sudden we're realizing, listen, this isn't shaping me into the world's mold. All this trouble is not, should not be shaping the church into the world's mold. Come on, church, when somebody doesn't agree with your politics, don't get mad at them. We love them. Quit grappling with the fact that how can I love you if I don't agree with you? It's pretty easy. Just think about it. I don't have to agree with you to love you. Quit slamming people that don't agree with you. Quit, quit putting them out there at an arm's distance. This is where our life is not common. They say, well, you can't live that way. Sure, I can. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. He said when we go through difficulty, it shouldn't form us and conform us to this world. When we go through difficulty, it should transform us and begin to produce character, the characteristics of God himself. And that characteristic of God himself causes us to see, listen, we're not ordinary. We're not common. We're going to live differently in the midst of this trial. And that shouldn't make us ashamed. That should cause us to rise up because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we begin to understand just a couple of things really quickly. This newness of life, it begins on the inside of us. 
If we understand the process, there's always these processes that take place. We like instantly. God is a God of suddenlies. He's not a God of instantly. Right? He's always preparing. There's a process. So the number one thing about process is you have to receive the seed of the word of God. If we want to end up having the outsource of this produced extraordinary life, the way to do it is you first of all have to receive the seed of the word of God. You have to receive the seed. Matthew, Jesus said, the sower sows the seed, and you have a lot of people receiving it in different ways. But if you don't fully receive the word of God into your heart, then you'll never really produce this life to the full, this perpetual life. So he says, you receive the word of God. Once you receive the word of God, Colossians chapter 3, he says, do this. You have to let the word of God dwell in you richly. See, once you receive the word of God, you have to put it in there. You have to let it. You have to meditate on it. You got to let it dwell in you and get rich and, and be there so, so that while it's in there, it can begin to take root. See, sometimes we hear the word of God and we don't realize that the enemy's coming to steal it. If you get encouraged by any word I say today, get ready for the enemy to steal it by the parking lot. Somebody to cut you off or in town. If you go to lunch, the waiter or the waitress is slow and he's just trying to get the word of God out of your heart, but we let it dwell in us richly. When we let it dwell in us richly, it is our responsibility to guard our heart. Why? Why would we guard our heart for the process? Because the enemy is coming to steal the seed of the word. Through discouragement, through lies of the enemy, through whatever, steal the word. If he steals the word, it will never take root. If it never takes root, it will never produce fruit. And the fruit of this seed being planted is this life, extraordinary, undeniable, uncommon, unprecedented life. But life doesn't just happen. Life is produced by the Spirit of God through the seed of the Word of God. And so we guard our hearts so it doesn't get taken. And in guarding our hearts, what we do is we cultivate that word. We begin to cultivate that word. And in guarding our hearts, we're, we're, we're cultivating, we're keeping stuff out. In cultivating, we're not letting bad seed. We're paying attention so that the enemy doesn't come in unexpectedly, as Jesus said, and sow a bunch of tares in the field of a good harvest. We have to give attention to that. Because God has a plan of uncommon, unprecedented life for us. So as we cultivate that, then we be begin to become rooted and grounded. And once we become rooted and grounded, things begin to pop up in our life from below the surface. What nobody ever saw, what nobody ever knew, all of a sudden they're like, wow, here comes somebody who's alive with something. As we continue to water that word that comes to us, we keep growing and we keep growing and we keep understanding. And we get to that point and the enemy or, or the Holy Spirit begins to be very concerned with producing fruit. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. I keep getting to this point and running out of time. It really is. But this is the unprecedented life that we now live. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He goes on to say some stuff. He says, listen. Those who are Jesus have crucified or cut off at the root the old life source that was producing bitter fruit in our life. He said, but if you cut off that life source, you cut it off at the root, now you've got the word of God, you're becoming rooted and grounded, you're growing in God, all of a sudden the spirit of God begins to produce a life 
that is uncommon, that is unprecedented, that is not known amongst men who are in the fallen age of Adam, but it is only known and seen amongst those who are crucified with Christ, yet they live now from a totally different life source of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection of God. And he's producing something that is a fullness of life. So we read this in our, our understanding so many times, and we're like, okay, so, so the Holy Spirit's doing something, and over here, boop, I have love, and over here, boop, I have joy, and down here, boop, I have peace, and over here, and a fruit tree doesn't bear nine different kinds of fruit. So I'm just going to try to use this picture. This is the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. And it is love. Now, just stay with me. Because if you go to 1 Corinthians and look at what love is, you'll find kindness, patience, rejoicing. You'll find everything in here. And so the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. In other words, when he came into you, he brought the character and the nature of God, and God is love. So he came to develop a whole new loving life and nature on the inside of us. And so the fruit is all here, and it's, it's protected by love. But he's perpetually developing it on the inside of us. But if we peeled off the outer layer, And instead of just trying to get one thing right, if I could just get joy right, if I could just get a little peace in my life, if I could just get a little something to realize the Holy Spirit's not just trying to give you a little piece of something. He's developing something in you that is full, that is complete, that through the process it has ripened into the fullness of who it is. And so as he develops the love of God in us, that sometimes we begin to look and say, you know what, oh, this love thing is so hard. But when he said, if you'll do my commandments, I'll send the Holy Spirit to help you. He only gave us two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we're like, Pfft. And we keep going back to the 10 and trying to do them individually. But he said, listen, if you'll allow me to plant the word of God in your heart and you'll let it dwell there. And as it starts to grow down and take root, protect and keep other seed from coming in contrary to the word of God. And then you begin to cultivate it and you begin to water it. Something begins to grow and it's called the life of God. And it's totally surrounded by the character of God, which is love. And he says, and when you understand that and you allow that to happen inside of that love of God, there is joy inside not apart from joy doesn't grow apart from the nature of God and the love of God it's in there come on God's doing something full he's not doing something in part he's doing a life that's full so it's like you know I got some peace that love thing is hard for me no love is growing the nature of God and in that is joy and in that is peace. And in that is kindness. Come on, when they get to partake of our life that is uncommon, that's unprecedented, that is extraordinary. I understand this. We have tests all over. We take them here. You have Enneagrams. You have disc tests. You have personality tests. You used to have five personalities. Now they found out you have 19. That's going the wrong direction. We don't want multiple personalities living on the inside of us. And I understand all of that, but we get that even separate. Here's my personality to make an excuse for who I am. No, your personality is to flow from this place of the love of God. If we had the fruit of the Spirit, life uncommon developed, that personality type would take all the love and the joy and the peace and the goodness and the gentleness and the faithfulness and express it in a unique way. Our personality is an excuse for us being cantankerous and rude or super soft and nice. 
No, it's just a way to look at things. But if we bring all that through the love of God and through the character and the nature of God, he's doing something in the full. I want you to read Uncommon Life. When you read the fruit of the Spirit after this, to read Uncommon Life, not, man, I wish I had more peace and I wish. No, God, develop it all. Develop the love of God in me to such a degree that I love people like I never have before. And in that, when people partake of that love, they get peace, they get joy. And understand this, all of this is unprecedented because of the love of God is far beyond any love that's ever been expressed in the world, and it lives in you. The joy that the Lord gives strengthens you. It doesn't just make you happy. It strengthens you, and the Bible says that it's joy inexpressible and full of glory. It's a different kind of joy. Jesus said, the peace that I give to you is not the kind of peace that the world gives to you. He said, my peace is different kind of peace. It's a different quality of peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The goodness that's on the inside of you reflects who I am, and it causes people to repent about who God is. It's a different kind of goodness He said, your faithfulness goes beyond just saying, I have faith, but it motivates you to stay with it till the end. And your self-control doesn't allow sin to take you off the rails, but I hold to the course because there's something of the love of God in me that won't let me go off the rails and forsake the one that I love the most. Within that unprecedented love that the Spirit of God is trying to, to develop, he said, there is a life that is uncommon, that is unprecedented, that the world cannot know, that the world does not have, that I've only put on the inside of my church, and my church, if they'll allow it to come in, to settle, to remain, to be cultivated, to be watered, it will produce fruit, and that fruit will bring praise and glory to God, and as it brings praise and glory to God, God begins to rain down on our sphere of influence so that it reflects more and more on the people around us. How do we become the church undeniable? We live in this undeniable life that Jesus purchased for us. Not common life, not going back to the old way of life, but embracing the process. Not feeling the need to be instantly different, but staying with the process and recognizing the process, even in trouble, produces character. And that character and expectation of a whole different kind of life and a whole different quality of life. The life of the Spirit. He said, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Glory to God. Hope you got something out of that. I got kind of a mess out of that. Praise the Lord. I'd say if you want this orange, but nobody wants it, I handled it over and over. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. We thank you, Lord. I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, for this day, this hour, this generation, this people, you bring us an understanding, a true revelation that the gates of hell, the lies of the enemy can never prevail against our true revelation that the life that we now live is a superior quality of life, an abundant in quantity of life, that you are working to produce an unstoppable life in us, one that loves God and loves other people to the degree that it produces within itself all of the characteristics that speak to an abundant overflow of life. That the love that you have for us is implanted in our hearts that we might know that love and embrace that love but we also might have the quality of that love and its fullness extended out from us to others 
That if, even if they don't know you, they'll experience your love through us and come to know you and experience that love towards you as their Lord and Savior. Help us have a revelation of it, that it would motivate us, give us expectation and vision for our future and the hope that you've declared for us. That we wouldn't settle for second less. We wouldn't settle for simply personality or emotions. We thank you that you've created us in such a unique way, but we won't settle for less than the best. We will tap into the very life, perpetual life and fruit of that life from the Spirit of God. We declare it in the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, accepting him as your Lord and Savior is the beginning of this unique, uncommon, unprecedented life. The word that we've heard is a seed planted for faith to come to say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. He says, when you do that, he comes to move on the inside of you and everything begins to change. He wants to produce this life with this fruit of love and all that's in it for you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. Just slip your hand up. We want to pray with you. If you're watching online, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. This is your day. As the Bible says, I plead with you, don't let one more day go by. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. To debate that, to roll that over in your mind, I'm just telling you, he wants you to be his son, his daughter, reconciled back to him, no longer bound by sin. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is your day to experience something different. Anybody in this room at all? Perchance there's somebody online whose desire is to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together for them. If you're watching, just pray this along with us. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus ready to lay my way of doing things down. I believe that you died on the cross for me. That God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven and put in right relationship. So this morning, I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, just let us know. Go onto our website to share your story. Let us know. As others have, we want to send you a packet just of information, not join the church, just information that will help you begin this life, cultivate this word so that you can produce fruit. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.